chapter number 11 this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll just go ahead and study that Bible reading assignment, Lord willing, for the next little while at least, if you're not already familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the roll call of faith, or the faith hall of fame, I don't know if you're a sports fan, Uh, many sports, they will have a hall of fame, that's where they memorialize or they honor distinguished athletes in that particular sport. Canton, Ohio, or Brother Newcomer Pastors, they have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the greatest players throughout history will be enshrined there. They're inducted into the Hall of Fame. They're famous. They're well-known. They have accolades, maybe records. And so the greatest football players are recognized in that place. In St. Augustine, I'm sure many of you are aware of this. You've been there and enjoyed it. They have a golf hall of fame, all right? The the PGA Tour thing over in St. Augustine. And those that players that have won major tournaments, they, 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 they've had a just a record career and, and, and won all kinds of tournaments and, and, and done all kinds of great things in golf. They are memorialized in the Hall of Fame. These are the best of the best. In Atlanta, they have a college football Hall of Fame. I mean, whatever sport it is, I'm sure somewhere they've got a list of the greatest players, the greatest competitors in that sport. In the book of Hebrews, we have a list of men and women through the Old Testament who are marked, who are distinguished, and the one thing that all of these have in common is their faith in God. Okay, and remember the context of the book of Hebrews. These are people who are being encouraged to stay true to Jesus Christ, to not draw back into perdition, to not cast away their confidence, to go on to perfection, to not be drawn aside from the Christian life, not to return to their former life or their former religion. Having been given this encouragement, Jesus Christ is better. The Christian life is better. Our hope is better. Our promises are better. Our resurrection is better. And so from the Old Testament, there are these witnesses that we'll find in Hebrews 12 to that fact that God makes promises and God keeps promises and God blesses those who believe his promises and use it as the basis for their decisions and their actions and their obedience. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1, Now faith. Now faith. And that's as far as we'll get this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and this opportunity that we have to study it together. I thank the young men and the young ladies who are here this morning in the right place at the right time, with the right Bible, God, may we have the right heart uh, to allow you to speak to us, to teach us, to instruct us. Give me the right words to say. Help me to say them in the right way. And I pray that it all be done for the right reason this morning, that you might receive the honor and glory that you deserve. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Undoubtedly, faith is a major concept, a major doctrine, an important theme in the Word of God. Faith is faith is vitally important. The word faith is used 257 times. Faithful used 82 times. Faithfulness 19 times. Some form of the word 
faith used in the Bible 362 times, okay? And now, faith. That's what the chapter is going to be all about. What is faith? How do we define faith? It's one of those words that can have many different definitions, but the basic concept and the idea of faith, we all understand it's trust. It's dependence. It's reliance and confidence and belief. It's not just mental assent to a fact. Faith is not knowledge. Faith is, okay, because of what I know, here is what I'm going to do. And, 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 and we'll develop that as we study through the chapter. But first, let's just kind of back up and get a big picture. Go to Ephesians 2 and Titus 2. We'll return to Hebrews 11 possibly after a while. You might want to mark it. Ephesians 2 and Titus 2. Some verses you're familiar with, but lay out some very important concepts that have application to us, whether saved or lost this morning. Ephesians 2 and Titus 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We shouldn't have to read it. We should all be able to quote it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so here's how important faith is this morning. You can't be saved without it. By grace are ye saved through faith. Now, what saves us? It's not faith that saves us. It's grace that saves us, right? Isn't that what it says? For by grace are ye saved through faith. So the grace saves us, but the grace can't save us unless we exercise faith. Faith is the means of grace. Faith is that by which I access the grace of God. Here's what I mean. Look at Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. Another familiar verse, an important verse. The Bible says in Titus 2, 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Isn't that what Ephesians 2 said? We're saved by grace. We are not saved by works. That if anybody is going to be saved, it is going to be the unmerited favor of God. That's what grace is. God giving us something we don't deserve. We don't deserve salvation. We don't earn salvation. We don't work for salvation. Grace brings salvation. But look at what verse 11 says. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now wait a second. If grace saves us and if grace has appeared to all men, then why aren't all men saved? It's a fair question, isn't it? But the answer is, all men don't exercise faith. Okay? So all men could be saved. God's will is that all men would be saved. His grace is sufficient for their salvation, the grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men. And by grace, they can be saved. But you're only saved if you place faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Here's how Romans 5.2 explains it. We'll not turn there, but listen to it. You can write it down. Romans 5.2 says this. 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So faith is what allows me to access or to activate the saving grace of God. Does that make sense? Okay. For illustrations, say this keyboard this morning. Okay. Um, I'm not an electrician. I'm not a builder. I'm mechanically, sorry, retarded. Okay. I can't fix things. I can't build things. I don't know how things work. I'm good at breaking them. But I think I got this. All right. So there is power. To that outlet, right? I mean, somewhere, somehow, there's wires going somewhere that gives this thing juice, electricity. Okay? Now, I've got this keyboard, and I've got this power cord, and this has the ability to give electricity to this so that I can play it. This has the ability to receive that electricity. But as long as I'm holding this right in my hand, I can bang on the keys all I want. All you're going to hear is the sound of banging. No musical, beautiful, harmonious, melodic tunes are going to come out of the speakers of the keyboard. In order to access the power, I'm going to have to insert the plug. Okay, so here's the grace of God. That brings salvation. But the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. It's a simple illustration, a crude illustration, but you understand what we're saying. Now you say, okay, I've been saved a long time. I understand that. That's great, but we need to get this principle. Come with me to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. So grace is available, grace is sufficient, grace saves, grace is offered, but in order for that grace to to be activated in my life, to bring about salvation, I have to place faith, trust, dependence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3. So it takes faith to be saved, that's how vital, how essential it is. And no one can then sit back and blame God and say, well, he didn't give me any faith. I don't have any faith. How can I access this grace with faith I don't have? You, you can't make that. Nobody can make that excuse. Romans 12, 3 says this. Uh, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of, of faith. Okay? Every keyboard is outfitted with a power cord. They don't send you the keyboard in the mail and say, figure out how to get electricity to it. They say, you're going to need the electricity, so we're going to put a special plug and a cord that you can plug into that special place so that you can access the electricity you need for the keyboard to work. When God made you, he, he outfitted you with the faith it would take to activate the grace of God. The grace that brings salvation appears to all men. The faith that it takes to access that grace or to activate that grace 
It's in every man. God has given to every man the measure of faith. Here's where Calvinists get it off track. Calvinists are people who say that before the foundation of the world, God decided I'm going to save a few people and I'm going to send most everybody else to hell because that will glorify me. That's what that, I mean, that break it all down. That's Calvinism. Here's what they, 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 they do read the Bible and understand that God has to give a man faith in order for that man to believe and be saved by grace. They believe in salvation by grace through faith. They believe the faith comes from God. But the problem is, the problem is they don't recognize that God gives that faith to everybody. They think God gave that faith to only those who end up exercising it. That proves that God gave it to them. And that's the elect, the chosen. Those are the only ones to whom God gave that faith. That's not what Romans 12, 3 says. That faith is given to every man. God does have to give a man faith. But he gives everybody faith. And it does not negate man's responsibility to exercise that faith and place that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If I took that cord and tried to plug it into the soundboard, nothing would happen, right? It's not that I didn't have a cord. I just didn't put it in the right place, okay? Look with me at Romans chapter 3. And we're going to get to now faith in just a minute. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19. Romans 3, 19. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that what things soever saith the law, it saith them who run the law, that every mouth may be stomped, and the world may become guilty before God. Why did God give all those commandments? Well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is so we would know how horribly sinful we are. It would define sin and magnify sin, and our sin would become exceeding sinful, and it would basically make us shut up and stop justifying ourselves before God. I mean, if, if, if we did modernize the Bible then Romans 3.19 would say that every mouth may shut up. <laughs> every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in sight. If the purpose of the law was to shut you up and stop you from justifying yourself, how do you think you're going to be justified by keeping it? You're not. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, verse 20, verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, look at this, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. The Bible says, verse 23, for all of sin comes from the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace. Okay, so justification comes about by grace. What is justification? God declaring you Righteous, even the righteousness of God, verse 22. How do I access this justification? How do I get this righteousness by faith? Verse 25, and God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Okay, 
Now, here's what Romans 3 does for us. It very clearly teaches you can't be saved by your works. It very clearly teaches you are saved by grace. It very clearly teaches that grace is given when you exercise faith in Jesus Christ. It also says, look at verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. It didn't say faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you do have to place your faith in Jesus Christ, but the faith you place in Jesus Christ comes from Jesus Christ. It's his, and he gives it to everyone, and then you have to take it and place it in him. So God offers righteousness. It takes faith to access that righteousness. Then God gives you the faith. You just have to put it there. God offers saving grace, but it takes faith to access that saving grace. Then God gives you the faith you need to access the grace. It's just up to you to go ahead and plug it in to the right source. Okay. Now, all of that is, is introductory to what I want to say to the majority of you about your Christian life. But before we do that, I want to stop and ask you, I don't want to assume that just because you're here at the Bible Baptist Church on a Sunday morning in Sunday school in the teen class, that that means you're saved. I would guess that if I gave a test and asked you to provide the facts of the gospel and what the Bible says about how a person is to be saved, I would assume that all of you could pass the test. You could give the right answer. You could say it's by grace. You could say it's not by works. You could say Jesus died for our sins. You could say Jesus rose again. You could say you've got to believe in Jesus. But being able to write down the facts of the gospel is not what gets you to heaven. Have you ever come personally to a moment of decision where you took the faith God gave you and you placed that faith, that trust, that dependence, that reliance wholly and completely in what Jesus did for you? Have you ever had a time when you confessed your sin to a holy God and said, Jesus is my only Hope, okay? God gave you faith. God has provided grace, but you've got to take your faith and put it, place it as an act of your will into Jesus Christ. Have you ever done that? You say, I've been to church in my life. Jesus said, You must be born again. You haven't always been a Christian. You say, uh, you know, I, I know what the gospel is. That's great that you know what the gospel is, but faith is not knowledge and knowledge is not faith. You can't have faith without knowledge, but you can have knowledge and not have faith. Got to believe on Jesus Christ. All right. Now, let's bring this into the Christian life for those who have been saved. If you haven't been saved, you ought to get saved today, right now. It'd be great. Be the best thing you ever do. Colossians chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Colossians 2 and 2 Corinthians 5. I love these verses in Colossians 2. We we turn to them often in Sunday school, if you haven't noticed. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. Colossians 2 and verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, 
rooted and built up in him, verse 7, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. What did the Bible tell us in verse 6? That the same thing that brought us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is the same thing that will make us faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. As we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, how do we receive him? By faith. So walk ye in him. How am I going to walk in him? By faith. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? So faith, faith is absolutely vital for without faith you cannot be saved but the need for faith does not stop at the moment of salvation. Faith is an essential element of the everyday Christian life. You got saved by trusting Jesus Christ, but you will grow to follow Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ and live for Jesus Christ. You will be a disciple of Jesus Christ as you continue to Trust in Jesus Christ. You will grow in your service by dependence on the grace of God. We are saved by faith, but we also walk by faith. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. Come back to Hebrews chapter 11 quickly. A few more places to turn this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse number 1 is all we read. Now, faith. Let me ask you, what kind of faith do you have Right now. Because whatever stage of life you're in, it requires faith. Whatever, whatever stage of development in your Christian life, wherever you're at this morning, you need faith to progress. To go farther, to go deeper, to grow more and more like Jesus Christ. What's it going to take? It's going to take Faith. Faith is not just for salvation. Faith is not just for the difficult trials and circumstances that you'll face. Faith is not just for missionaries on the foreign field. Faith is not just for preachers trying to lead a congregation. Faith is for your everyday Christian life. Now faith. What kind of faith do you have? How is your faith life? <laughs> Hebrews eleven six. why is faith so important? But without faith, it is impossible to... To please him. Isn't that what our lives supposed to be about? Relation chapter 4, 11. That, that worthy Lord, so you've honored and glory and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. The very purpose of your life is to please God. And without faith you cannot please God. You can't fulfill the purpose of your existence. If there is not continual, ongoing trust, dependence, reliance... On the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What got these people in Hebrews 11 into Hebrews 11? Why are they distinguished for their faith? Because in every case, God made a promise these people believed that promise. Then they based their actions on their belief in that promise. Throughout the chapter, it will say, by faith. And then it will tell you who did something and what they did. 
Faith was not just a feeling in their heart. It was a basis for actions, a basis for decisions, a basis for, here's the word, obedience. Brother James said it one time, it's stuck in my mind. I will repeat it, Lord willing, the rest of my life. Faith is not believing God can do things. Faith is believing God enough to do what he said. Noah's in here because he built an ark. Why did he build an ark? Because he believed God when God said it was going to rain. Move of here, prepared an ark. Why? Because God made a promise. He believed the promise. So he did what God said to do based on his belief in that promise. All right, so God made a promise. I will save all who believe in Jesus Christ. Based on my belief in that promise, I trust in Jesus Christ and call on the name of the Lord. And I, am, I have a hope this morning, a certain expectation of eternal life. That is what is going to guide me through the Christian life to please God, to have rewards at the judgment seat, to do what God put me here to do. God's going to make a promise. God's going to say something. I'm going to believe what God said enough to do what he told me to do. The children of Israel, when they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, what was, they they had all kinds of problems. Golden calf, idolatry, immorality, all kinds of issues. But you know, the number one reason they did not enter the promised land was was unbelief. Read Hebrews 4. They didn't believe God. They didn't trust the promise. God said, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to give you the victory. They got there. They saw the giants. They said, oh, no. We can't do it. We're grasshoppers. They're going to kill us. But God promised they wouldn't. They didn't believe the promise. So they didn't do what God said to do. And the, the typology, the picture in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel are going into Canaan, the promised land. Canaan is not a type of heaven. Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. It is you enjoying the blessings of God the way that God intended. And you will never get there without faith. What this really means and what it comes down to is that every area of weakness in my Christian life it's a lack of faith. Every failure in my Christian life, it's a lack of faith. Every, every time that I don't experience what God has for me, every time I don't, I don't uh, experience the will of God, every time I don't follow God's plan, if I don't allow God to use me the way that it all comes down to a lack of faith. Okay? And here's the temptation at that point to sit back and say, okay, God, you've got to give me more faith. But what, what did we learn about the whole being saved by faith thing? God gives every lost person the faith they need to get saved. And what did the Bible say in Colossians 2? As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walking in him. What are we going to find out in the New Testament in the next five minutes? That God gives every saved person enough faith to do what pleases him. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. God gives every lost person enough faith to get saved. God gives every saved person the faith they need 
to live the Christian life. The lost person, they just got to plug that faith in the right place. The safe person, you just got to take your faith. Don't put it in the soundboard. Put it in the, put it in the socket. Put it in the outlet, right? Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I, Paul the Apostle, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul did not say, I am living this Christian life with my faith. The words in the Bible are important. They all mean something. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't say, I live by the faith of Paul the Apostle. It wasn't his faith. It was the faith that Christ gave him. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he is the author and finisher of our faith. The faith we have, he gives it to us. And guess what the Bible says in 2 Peter 1? He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So the faith that Anthony has, the faith that Adam has, the faith that Elijah has, the faith that Jacob has, the faith that Brian has, and everybody here this morning, the faith that we have is the faith of the Son of God. It is the faith that Christ has, that he gave to us when we trusted him. And we have to take that faith and use it. We have to take that faith and appropriate it. We have to take that faith and activate the work of God in us by making decisions based on what we believe in this book. Does that make sense? Look with me at Romans chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 4. Romans chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 4. How am I going to live a victorious Christian life? I just have to believe what God said enough to do it. My obedience has to be the outcome of my faith, my trust, my dependence, my confidence in the promise of God. And everybody has faith. Lost people have enough faith to get saved. Saved people have enough faith to live for the Lord. But, but look, even though the lost person, God's given them faith, they still have to make a choice. Right? God doesn't force anybody to be saved. Now, saved people, God gives enough faith, but we have to make choices. We have to make decisions. God's going to force you to serve Him. God's not going to force you to be separated. God's not going to force you to be pure. God's not going to force you to be clean. God's not going to force you to be holy. God's not going to force you to be committed to His will. God's not going to force you to witness. Serve Him. You're going to make choices. You're going to make decisions. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Here's an interesting verse. Where does faith come from? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, this is an important principle. Faith is always based on a promise God made. True biblical faith is always based on a promise God made. You will hear a lot of religious people talk about the faith that they have, that God is going to do something, but it's, it's something that God never said he was going to do. So they believe something, but what they, that belief is not faith because faith is produced by the word of God. Does that make sense? Okay, I believe God is going to give me, I believe that healing is the atonement, and that if I get saved, I'm never going to be sick again. That's not a promise God made me. So that's not faith. All right? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if, if I want to pray like the disciples, Lord, increase our faith, what do I need to do? I need to hear the word of God. 
I need to get God's word in my heart because this book produces faith. But look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Let's balance that out. Hebrews chapter 4. So, so, so the Bible produces faith. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. But Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 2 says this. Hebrews 4, 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Here's some people who heard the Bible, but it didn't help them at all because they didn't mix it with faith. It's not that they didn't have faith. They had faith. They just didn't mix the hearing of the Word of God with faith. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. You can't have faith without the Bible. But you can have the Bible without having faith. All right? Faith is not knowledge. Knowledge and faith are two different things. Faith is based on knowledge. You can't have faith if you don't have knowledge. You can't have no knowledge in the world and not do anything with it. You can know what the Bible says is right. You can know what the will of God is. You can know how a Christian ought to live. You, you, you can know all the promises of God. If you don't believe in the promises of God enough to do what God said to do, you don't have any faith. You're not exercising <coughs> the faith that you have. I used to faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But here's some people who've heard the Word of God and didn't mix it with faith. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now, faith. You need faith. I don't care, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, wherever you are in life, you need faith. Just absolute confidence, dependence, and trust on this Word of God so much to the point where you will make your decisions and you will base your actions on what God said and that faith, what it will produce always is obedience. Show me thy faith by thy works. Faith is not just faith is essential for salvation. Faith is necessary for salvation. Faith, the need for faith doesn't stop with salvation. Faith isn't just for the difficult trials that you'll face. When you get in the heart, oh, I gotta have faith. I gotta be. Yes, you need faith then, but you need faith now too. Say this all the time. Say it again. You've got a lot of important decisions to make in the next several years of your life. A lot of life-altering choices. You are going to need to base those decisions on trust and confidence and dependence in the Word of God. All right? Now, faith. It's essential. It's necessary. And let's keep that in mind. Father, help us this morning to believe your Word enough to do what it says god please would you increase our faith thank you for the example of these men and women in your word who took your promise at face value and acted upon it and lord we see how you bless them you reward everyone who diligently seeks you helps to believe that based on based on your own trustworthiness based on the example of these men and women who've gone before based on the fact that that you love us and everything you, say, everything you say, it's true. Lord, thank you this morning for our time in your word. Bless the church service now in Jesus' name. Amen.